You are listening to a Natural Products Insider Podcast. With Rachel Adams, Managing Editor. Brought to you by Supply Side West, November 6 through 10 in Las Vegas. Welcome to this Supply Side West edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast. Uh, my name is Rachel Adams. I'm Managing Editor of Natural Products Insider. And today I have on the line with me Kurt Schneider, who is President at TechBridge West. Hi, Kurt. How are you doing today? I'm great, Rachel. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, I'm so excited yeah. to have you on the podcast today. Uh, Kurt is a speaker at Supply Side West this year, and he's going to be presenting during our Managing Quality in a Contract Manufacturing Partnership Workshop, which takes place on Saturday, November 10th at 8.30 a.m. Uh, and he's going to be talking all about quality agreements. Uh, I'm excited to have him on the podcast today because we get a little bit of a sneak peek of what he's going to be covering at Supply Side West. Uh, and so without further ado, I think we should get into it and uh, learn more about quality agreements. So, um, Kurt, this question is kind of a general big-picture question. Um, but also a really important question. Uh, what's, what is the role of a quality agreement when entering a partnership with a contract manufacturer? Well, that's, that's a really good question. I, I think um, when manufacturers, when, when people go out looking for contract manufacturing, uh, they usually go with the programs that the contract manufacturer has in place, whatever their GMPs they follow, whatever um, sanitation programs they have in place, regulatory programs they have in place. What a quality agreement does is it takes control of that back to the customer, the client who is looking for the contract manufacturer. What what that says is that the the customer is going to set the rules and regulations for the engagement. They're going to say, here's what I need my product to to do. Here's what I need it to be. Here's how I need you to manufacture it. It really is. It's basically an agreement that takes control over the entire production process in terms of how it's going to be run what your expectations out of it out of it are, and um, almost as importantly, what happens if things don't go well. And so this is not the same as a supply agreement, correct? No, not at all. And, that, and that's a common uh, misconception that people have. Uh, a supply, a manufacturing and supply agreement is a complementary document, uh, but that mm-hmm. usually uh, that usually lays out the terms um, of the agreement from a uh, from a business standpoint. So it goes over uh, quantities, costs delivery options, those type of things. Um, what a quality agreement does is it kind of fills in the blanks. It says um, if, if we agree in the manufacturing and supply agreement that the shipping and handling is going to be handled by this carrier, what the quality agreement then does is it comes in and says, here's how I need that carrier to act. Here's the regulations mm-hmm. that I need them to follow. And here's the SOP that I need them to follow in order to make sure that the product gets shipped and received in the quality that the customer intended. Right. So that's a super important next step that kind of takes that supply agreement a little bit farther. Absolutely. So uh, when it comes to this quality agreement, whose responsibility is it in this contract manufacturing partnership? Whose responsibility is it to create the agreement and how are the terms of the agreement established? Uh, another good question. The, the, the quality agreement is made by the person that owns the brand. So if, if I'm a small manufacturer or a startup, Let's say I'm a solopreneur and I have a product that, that I need to go find somebody to manufacture it. I've done all of the, all the benchtop work. I've done some one-off work, but I, I know what raw materials I want to use. I know the specifications of those raw materials. I know what my finished product specs are. I know what's acceptable and what's not. 
it's my responsibility to put the quality agreement together because I'm going to the contract manufacturer and saying, in order for you to make the product that, that I expect you to make, here's the steps that need to happen. And, and that really, it, it covers everything. And it really, what it, what it does specifically is it, is it follows the GMPs right now, the, the 21 CFR part 111 GMPs. It pretty much has sections included for every step of the way. And some of the templates that I use are, are very detailed in terms of those, those clauses and, and how I do things with, with clients that, that are looking for this is we start out with a huge document. I believe there's 20, 24, 26 steps in there. And we start to whittle it back. I try not to take too much out of it, but I definitely want them to be aware of here's all the things that you need to be aware of and need to manage to make sure that your product is uh, the right quality, uh, is safe to consume, follows all the correct manufacturing procedures. So it's, it's a big document to start with. We, we tailor make it to each individual's needs. Right. And this is extremely important from the brand owner perspective because FDA has made it clear that ultimately the responsibilities for these regulations fall on the brand owner, even though the contract manufacturers are manufacturing the product. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think one of the things that, that I see out in the marketplace is that the the smaller, the smaller companies and even the startups don't understand that concept. And the ones that do understand the concept don't know how to execute against it. They, they don't understand that not only do they have to have knowledge of all of these GMPs, but they're the ones that have to manage the expectations. And that's where quality right. really comes into play. It's, it's, it's the agreement that's signed that manages the expectation of the contract manufacturer. So absolutely, the brand, the brand owner has to maintain all of these standards. And the only way for them to do that is to tell the manufacturer what they need rather than letting the manufacturer know the client what they can do. Right, absolutely. Uh, so can you provide uh, maybe a couple of examples? I know that we can't get into everything that a quality agreement would need to contain on our call today, but can you provide some examples of what a quality agreement should contain? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple examples of, of real life, and, and I'll, I'll keep the names out to protect the innocent. One client that I was working with was looking to get a uh, third-party certification that they can put on their package to say that they are um, they follow all of the GMPs for that particular product line. So when I started with them to do this program, one of the first things I asked them is, well, how do you have your product manufactured? And, and their answer was, we do it all through contract manufacturing. I, I said, great, can you show me the quality agreement? And I was met with blank stares. What they told me was that the contract manufacturer supplied everything. They said, here's how we're going to make it. Here's the quality standards that we, that we follow. And that's how we're going to do it. And, and the client said, okay, that, that makes sense. And I, and I think this is a key part of that particular example is mm -hmm. that the client said that since they never touch the product, it goes from the manufacturer through distribution to the customer without the, the, without the brand owner touching it. Their assumption was that we don't have to worry about any of that, that that's taken care of by others. And just right. that, that one simple assumption of expecting the contract manufacturer to supply all those things got them into a lot of trouble. So when we reversed that and, and made them responsible for the quality and putting together this agreement, now they go to their contract manufacturers, current and future, and say, here's what I need you to do. And if you can't do it, we can talk about it, but these are my bare minimum requirements. So if you can't do it, we probably won't be able to do business. Right. So that would be one example. 
Uh, a second example is a, a small business owner, somebody who uh, was looking to create a new product line, uh, a, a nutritional supplement, and they were looking for contract manufacturing, and, and they enlisted me to help them find somebody. When I brought the idea of a quality agreement to them, uh, their first impression was, well, that's just the, the contract that we signed to supply the product. When I indicated to them that that's part of it, but not the entire agreement, that that's actually a separate document, we got into a very long discussion about what the expectation would be from, from this person as a brand owner, as well as a contract manufacturer. And instead of this person going and finding uh, the, the, the cheapest supplier that can do the smallest minimums so they can get into the marketplace faster, it's, his whole attitude changed and it became more of a, I need to find the right manufacturer that can meet my quality expectations. So again, right. the, the, the two examples illustrate the role of flipping the equation. Instead of saying the contract manufacturer has, has, has the ability to do all this stuff and I just assume that they have it, now I'm gonna take responsibility for that and say, here's what I need. If you have it, great. If you don't, either, either do it or I'm gonna to have to look elsewhere. Right, and that is that is such an important uh, perspective for these brand owners and these companies to have or to understand or to grasp um, is that they really have to be in the driver's seat when it comes to quality of their products. Absolutely. If, if that's the one message that I can translate through the presentation and through the whole contract manufacturing process, that would be it, that the, the client right. needs to take control. They need to manage the expectations. Uh, so uh, my next question, are there – any red flags that brand owners should be aware of when they're negotiating a quality agreement, um, like any any actions on the part of a contract manufacturer or any kind of like demands uh, that would be like a no-no, a red flag. Yeah, there, there's there's a there's a number of red flags. Probably <laughs> the, the the first one that I would that I would say is that if I'm going to go in and, and represent the client with a, with a quality agreement. Uh, I usually start out with the largest one I can come up with that's covered every every potential avenue, uh, and it's a very large mm -hmm. document. And, and when we put that in front of the president of, of of the contract manufacturer, the managing director, whomever it may be, believe it or not, the first thing you want to look at is their expression when they see it. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of contract manufacturers will take a look at it, and their eyes will get really wide and say, "Well, we've never done anything like this before." That would be the first red flag to say, you know what, maybe we're not ready to go, go there with you. Um, mm. The second red flag is if they would take it and say, you know what, we have all those programs in place. Let's just go ahead and sign the agreement and get moving. To me, that's a red flag that says they might have something in place, but they're not interested in looking at what the client's requirements are. They're just going to say, here's, here's what we do, and, that's, and, and it works for us, and you're coming to me because you want us to make your product. So you're going to make it by my GMPs and how I handle it rather than your own. And that would be a red flag I would, I would say uh, happens more often than not. Because, um, these days when contract manufacturers put together their own quality programs, it's used as a sales point. They want to go out right. to prospective clients. We have all this in place. Perfect. The next red flag would be if I provide that quality agreement, what's preceded by that quality agreement and something that um, – is not part of this presentation, but I'll put it in here, is, is a, a supplier pre-approval. And that's simply a, a, a questionnaire. It's a couple pages mm -hmm. and it says, do you have this in place? Do you have this in place? Do you have this in place? And in some instances it says, send me an example of this. So if you say that you have a cleaning and sanitation procedure in place and that you follow it, send me the SOP, send me the cleaning log. If you have those mm -hmm. two things, then yes, you have that program. If you don't, 
then you're you're not following the GMPs and you're you're paying a little bit of lip service. So what we usually do is right. we lead with that question, and if that works, then we come in with the bigger agreement that goes through every one of the steps. If at any time during the negotiation the contract manufacturer says we have that, but they're not willing to give you a sample document, they could actually say under the guise of, well, that's proprietary information. I can't give you that. Um, there are ways around that. And I think that the client needs to understand those ways around it because there is no document in this agreement that is being requested that could be considered proprietary. Mm. If they're just supplying an SOP, a, a basic SOP, that's fine. They can redact their company name, any information on the products, they can take care of that. But for the client to have the correct program in place to follow the quality agreement, they need to have these sample documents in their book. Because when the FDA inspector comes in, when the auditor comes in from uh, USP or whomever and says, I need to know that you have control of those programs, if the client cannot show that they have those documentation in, that documentation in place, they will get dinged for that because that shows a lack of control. Right. Well, there, I mean, there are just so many considerations. I mean, we've only been chatting about this for, what, 15 minutes or so, and and this is just the tip of the iceberg, all the things that uh, a brand owner would need to consider, which is why I think it's so important that we cover this topic at Supply Side West. So, Kurt, during your presentation at Supply Side West, will you be uh, reviewing what a quality agreement looks like? I will have the entire agreement template up on the PowerPoint so people will be able to take a look at it. And we'll go through each one of the sections, some more in-depth than others, depending on, on how critical they might be. But the attendee will be able to see the, the entire agreement as I have it laid out as a template, and we'll talk through it during the presentation. For more award-winning podcasts from industry experts, go to insider.com and click in the podcast section. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts by searching Healthy Insider Podcast. Hit subscribe to never miss an episode. To join the conversation about the supplement industry, leave a comment on the podcast's Twitter, Facebook, or SoundCloud accounts. This episode has been brought to you by Supply Side West, November 6th through 10 in Las Vegas.